Hello, Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. And uh, I think this weekend's game qualifies, uh, even if the ending was really, really tough. <laughs> I'm, of course, talking about uh, Sunday's game, UConn versus Creighton. Uh, and you know the first game, UConn's first game back in the Big East, and man, did it live up to the bill? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, really, really tough way to lose. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, losing 76 to 74 in overtime when honestly they should have won. You know, in the, at the end of regulation, it's a tough one to stomach. But you know, it feels good to care again, and it feels good to be able to look at a game like that, given the circumstances, and just be like, oh wow, like they should have won. Uh, anyway, so uh, Tim Fontenot's back. We're going to talk all about it. Tim, how's it going? How you feeling about UConn basketball right now? Oh, I'm feeling great just to have a game and, more importantly, a Big East game to, to talk about. So thanks for having me back. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a good one. Uh, we've certainly waited long enough. Uh, it was something like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think like a 17-day layoff between uh, when they played USC and when they played Creighton. Uh, if I'm not... if the date isn't if those days aren't exactly right it was somewhere in that range it was a really long time uh and you know it, it certainly showed uh the beginning of the game but man that was fun um you know putting aside the ending how much fun was that game it was amazing i mean just this is this is the game that we've been waiting for for almost eight years at this point and to to come back and obviously especially after that layoff and not knowing what to expect from this team and having it be a good old-fashioned Big East dogfight between, you know, between UConn, who's a decent team who's getting there after a couple of bad years, and a really good team in Creighton, and just having it be back and forth. And even when UConn's down, they come back, and it just it felt like the old games against Georgetown and Nova, and you know, games that we're gonna get again twice a year against those teams every year. And to have it be against a team like a new team like Creighton, I mean that was that was just so much fun. I mean they lost, I know, but I mean there was so much to be happy about just from just from an emotional perspective with this team. You know, we all we all went into that game knowing okay, it's been 17 days, they'll probably lose. Just want to see them fight. I just want to see a Big East basketball game and that's what we got was a big east basketball game in every sense and it's just that's a great feeling yeah it sure is um you know it's also something to be said how you know when we last talked i believe we were talking about how james book we were just like yeah man you can just tell like he's he's really good but like he hasn't quite put it all together just imagine what happens if he actually just goes off and here we are a couple of weeks later and james book just dropped 40 points at Gample Pavilion on the number nine team in the country. And honestly, I almost kind of still feel the same way. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> he drops 40 points and you're still just feeling like, man, it's like he still had a couple like of stretches where he like didn't do that much, which is just an, an astounding place to be. Like 40 points is legitimately historic. Like it, it very s- seldom happens in UConn history. It hardly ever happens against a team like Creighton. And I mean, what are, like, what's Book Knight going to do this year? Like, it's honestly, like, wild to imagine just, like, he could he could get better. He's dropping 40 points on the n- number nine team in the country, and you still feel like it's not even his potential. Like, w- wow. What, 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 what does that say? What does that say about us? And what does it say about Book Knight that he's just going out there, just going off for 40 points like that? 
Uh, what it says about him is enjoy him while you've got him because he's not going to be here long. Um, especially this is this is his first game since he was posted at number ten on that ESPN big board for uh, next year's NBA draft. So that tells you what a lot of people think about him already. Well, I mean, like you said, you know, you felt like you still could have gotten more out of him. I mean, like he could have easily like it wild to say this. He could have easily gotten to fifty. I feel like in the overtime, like down the stretch, they didn't really get the ball to him as much as they should have. Like, it feels like they could have gone to him a lot more than they did. And I think that that was a that was a bit of the difference in, in the OT and why they ended up eventually losing the game. But man, he he did have some stretches where he went quiet again, but they they weren't as long and they weren't as noticeable, I think. There was, I think there was one that was really noticeable. I think it was in the second half. But other than that, he was just nonstop. Every time he put the ball up, you thought it was going in. And we saw the shots from the ridiculous angles. He had some really good pro move shots. And, you know, even shooting shooting 5 of 12 from 3, I felt like a couple of those just rimmed out, like shots that should have just fallen for him, and they didn't. So, I mean, overall, that's that's one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen in a UConn jersey. I mean, that was if that's if that's the appetizer for the Big East Conference for a guy who will definitely remember that he was second team in the in the preseason all Big East teams. Man, watch out. Yeah, it was yeah, really something else. I mean, you know what really stood out to me was he had some nice uh slashing moves to the basket. He had that just absolutely ridiculous shot where he goes to the basket, gets fouled, kind of loses the ball, catches it, and just puts it up in for a reverse and in, in, in the end one, which was just, just the, the silliest play I've ever seen. Um, you know, he had plays like that. He knocked down some threes, which is always good to see. He was really the only person knocking down threes. Um, yeah. So that was good. He, um, you know, he was getting to the line. And the, the, the big thing that stuck out to me is there were a couple of points where Creighton looked like they were really going to run away with the game. And then next thing you know, Book Knight just kind of drives into the basket, gets kind of caught in no man's land. So he's just like, screw it. He just jumps up over everybody, puts up like a like a fadeaway jumper from mid range, like the absolute worst shot you could possibly take in 2020. And he just knocks him down. Like I, that's like the sort of stuff Kobe used to do. Like just yeah. like, all right, well, you know what? I'm pretty big and tall. I'm a pretty good shooter. So I'm just going to kind of take the shot and it's going to go in and you kind of all just going to have to deal with it. Like it's not, you don't see guys taking those shots very often anymore. And it kind of says a lot about this team where, you know, Booknight is just able to kind of go up and make those shots. It's also kind of an indictment on the team that he had to make some shots like that because we're, we're going to get into everybody else in a little bit. But, man, uh, so anyway, James's final line, 40 points. Uh, he plays 40 minutes uh, out of 45, uh, 13 for 24 shooting, uh, 5 for 12 from 3, 9 for 12 from the free throw line. He also has four rebounds, two assists, one steal, and uh, if only one foul, uh, also pretty good. Um, he's had some foul difficulties in big games in the past, so that's certainly something you want to see. And um, I don't have, like, the master list of, like, 40-point performances in a UConn uniform, but it's not very long. Like, I know in the last 10 years, it's, like, Kemba did it against Vermont. Uh, Amita Brima randomly did it against uh, Coppin State, I believe. And oh, yeah. I think... Um, and I know uh, looking a little further back than that, Danielle Marshall scored 42 on St. John's twice in the same season, which is honestly one of the coolest, you know, one of the greatest things ever. 
and uh, there's most likely there's others others too. Those are just the ones I I can think of off the top of my head. And now you have James Booknight. He did it at Gamble Pavilion, which is a uh, I, I think he, he might be the first UConn guy to do it. Um, certainly the most certainly the first in a while. Um, and I honestly just feel bad that he didn't have like a wild like sold out crowd to just lose their minds every time he made a shot because that performance deserved an audience. And you know, man, I, what more can you say about that? But that that I, you just brought up the most the most emotional thing about yesterday is the fact that we were all sitting at home thinking about the fact that we could have been there, like or obviously we couldn't have been there yesterday. But if that game deserved a ten thousand one hundred sixty seven whatever it is now crowd at Gamble Pavilion with the wall shaking and the echo around that place and just the feeling that the whole building was going to come down because if that place was packed yesterday, UConn wins that game. First of all, they win that game by like 15 points or something. They they win, they, they win convincingly. Like that place would have been like bananas yesterday or yeah. I think we've, we've seen, we've seen how UConn gets up for emotional games with electric crowds. They don't get down 12 early. And Creighton's probably using a timeout before the under 16 and Big Red's got the place going nuts. Like, that's just, that's that's how it goes. And I mean, that that's the one thing I could keep thinking about was, I just, I hate that we can't be there because we waited so long and that game would have been, like, it was, it was already emotional. It would have been even more so. And yeah, UConn probably wins that game with the home crowd. Yeah. And, you know, I got to give the, you know, the place wasn't completely empty there. There were like, I don't know, a couple dozen fans in there, you know, friends and families of the players. Honestly, shout out to them. It sounded good. Like it didn't, you know, the place sounded like there were people there and man, that was a special day to be there for sure. Cause you know, seeing book night just go off like that was, you know, that, that was like a legendary performance. It's just a shame that it didn't work out. Um, so, you know, obviously that's the big takeaway from the game was book night. Uh, other good things too. Um, UConn's defense, uh, pretty good considering the, the layout, the layoff. Um, you know, we're, we're going to get it, talk a lot about RJ Cole on this podcast. So before we kind of get into kind of the obvious stuff, we give RJ Cole a big shout out. His defense on uh, Marcus Zagorowski was nuts. Um, Absolutely. You know, Zagorowski is like a preseason All-American guy and he is only held, he's held to 11 points. He only goes four for 14, one for eight from three. Um, you know, not, not really a very impactful performance in the grand scheme of things. Also has five turnovers and four fouls. Uh, he did have eight rebounds actually, which is kind of, I didn't, I don't know, that kind of caught me by surprise, but even still, you know, if you're, if you're saying, you know, book Knight versus Zagorowski, you know, book Knight won that in a landslide and it, you know, nobody else on uh, Creighton was really like awesome individually either. Uh, but you know, defensively just as a whole, you know, not only was Cole great on uh, Zagorowski, but the team as a whole, like early on Creighton kind of looked like they were about to take him to the woodshed. And then it just sort of stopped like before the offense got their act together, the defense got their act together and it just, happened slowly but it was noticeable like they they had it under control did you have what did you think of just the 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 defense for UConn and the kind of where they are in you know this stage of the season well first like you said special shout out to RJ Cole because his performance on Zagorowski was outstanding um the defense overall I just it felt like it felt like the two sides of the ball had kind of kind of reversed in that game you know for the first few games of the season 
we were talking about UConn's offense. Um, yep, this this applies more so to the first two games. We were talking about UConn's offense was being was there. The defense wasn't necessarily there. And yesterday, the defense was outstanding, very good. Locked down the, the preseason player of the year was just really really good overall. Uh, Twenty six defensive rebounds, I thought was great. Um, but the offense was kind of was just was misfiring a little bit. So overall, you know, very, very happy with that. And keep in mind that, you know, you didn't have Tyler Polly. You didn't have, you know, you have a cook, a cook coming back still. And I think that's something that we need to keep in mind as we go through these first few games is a cook is waiting in the wings. Like he's going to come back at some point and that's going to give a whole new look to this defense. So overall, the pieces that we've seen, yeah, getting getting better, and you know, even after a layoff, I thought that they came back and they looked much improved. So that I think that's a very big positive to take away from yesterday. Yeah, so- even they they made Creighton work to work to tie the game. I mean, going back to RJ Cole real quick, you know, he misses the free throws, comes back down the other way, and makes a huge play to knock the ball out of bounds when Creighton's going to the hoop with a chance to chance to tie it, and then they really had to work. To, to get that last shot and I thought that there were other instances where really it was just off good offense beat good defense like you know there was one play where Tyrese Martin had I think it was Bishop locked down I, I might be wrong on who it was on Creighton but he he had him he had him locked down and he was like he was forcing him wide and he, he still made the shot so there were just there were instances like that yesterday but I thought that the defense looked much improved. Yeah, and that's like, you know, this team's calling card. It's going to have to be that because, uh, you know, it seems that's just how Danny Hurley's teams have always done, always succeeded. So the fact that they're clearly way ahead of where they were at this point last year is a really good sign. And, uh, you know, just in general, they played, I would say, you know, if you want to grade UConn's overall performance um, on Sunday, it was like, I guess, like collectively, basically a C. You know, good defense, elite, you know, performance from Book Knight. And other than that, like basically really bad everywhere else. So it kind of all balances out. Well, what happens if they don't just go seven for 30 from the three point line? You know, what if they actually make a few more, you know, baskets inside and, you know, make a couple more key free throws down the stretch? I mean, Creighton is damn good. You know, what, what is UConn, what is this UConn team going to do to DePaul? Like, I mean, yeah. or, or, you know, I don't know, St. John's whenever they play or some of these other teams. UConn's good. Like all they need to do is just like play well and they're going to be capable of competing with anybody. And if they play really well, then my God, like, you know, what, what happens if, you know, book Knight has the game he had yesterday, you know, on Sunday, you know, goes for, well, somewhere like 30 to 40 points. And Oh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, you know, RJ Cole knocks down a couple more threes that he takes, you know, maybe Whaley doesn't get in foul trouble. He finishes with like 12 points instead of seven. You know, what if, uh, you know, what if Jalen Gaffney is a little bit better offensively, you know, just, you know, go down the list. What that, then if, if you get all that and all of a sudden UConn's like touching a hundred every game, you know? So <laughs> obviously I think you just mentioned Isaiah Whaley uh, with the fouls. I think that's, that's the one thing that's missing. This team still gets into foul trouble really quickly and really easily. So I think once they figure that out, if they can keep their guys on the floor, if they can keep Whaley out there, Martin out there, you know, if the guards can, Stay smart in front of a uh, in front of the ball handlers. You know, this is like you said, pushing a hundred. Completely different team. Like that's oh, that's really exciting to think about. 
Yeah. So we need, I guess we do need to talk about the bad then uh, outside of book night. Uh, the offense was horrible. Like, yeah. really really bad uh, and like you know we'll, we'll go through the, everyone individually over the course of this show but the thing that shocked me was the first 10 minutes of the game they're just chucking up threes like you know they think they're the golden state warriors except they're, they're they can't buy a basket you know i'll, I'll you know I'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry i gotta do this to the you know to the guys but like you know rj cole is two for eight from behind the line um jalen gaffney is 0 for 5 brennan adams is 0 for 3 you know, Andre Jackson and, uh, you know, Tyrese Martin both missed their only shot, you know, and like, and book night, if we're being honest, like he made like two threes late kind of after it was almost already too late. So, you know, he was like what it would, it would have been like, I don't know, like three for nine or three for 10. And during the part of the game where it mattered, like it wasn't a very good shoot three point shooting performance. And they were, their approach was basically just like, well, if we keep chucking up, they'll eventually, you know, fall. And it was reminded me of, uh, I forget the year, but the, the Houston Rockets had something where they, they go into game seven of the Western Conference Finals and they went like something like 0 for like 45. And it uh, reminded me of that, where it's just like, like what are you doing, guys? Like, do something else. <laughs> yeah. And to their credit, eventually they did, but that was pretty hard to watch. Um, and then, I don't know, do you, yeah, so why don't we just start with that? So first 10 minutes of the game was basically just a hot tire fire. Did you have any particular thoughts at that point watching what was going down? Stop shooting threes. Please just stop shooting threes. <laughs> like, that's all I can think about. Like, you know, they, they're they kind of middle of the pack in the country in terms of how many threes they actually take compared to their overall total number of shots. But they're 225th in three-point percentage. Like, they're just not making them. Book Knight's hitting them at, like, 37%, 38%. You know, okay. But everyone else, I mean, you know, RJ was just throwing him up like he was in, like he was playing a video game. Like it was, it was two K, and he was just throwing him up for fun. And you know, I they can get to the basket. They like they can just get it inside. And there were and there were times where they got inside too, and they just weren't going straight up to the hoop. And oh, they just gotta you know they gotta have Booknight slashing to the rim. They've got to get the ball inside to Whaley and Sonogo. And you know, I just they've been too reliant they've they've tried way too hard to hit those threes this year and it's just not working and you gotta you gotta go away from it at some point obviously they're important they're important to the game from time to time but you know you gotta you gotta figure that out because that's just it's brutal to watch yeah i mean obviously the rust was pretty evident because i mean they were clearly resorting to that because they just weren't quite you know, ready to run their offense. Like, yeah. you know, UConn is always at its best when they're running actual plays. And in this case, it was just like, uh, I don't know what they thought, what the heck was going on out there, but like they clearly weren't ready to play at that point. Uh, but to their credit, they got it figured out. Um, so I think like 13 minutes into the game, uh, you know, it was Creighton. I think it was a 27 to 15 lead is when UConn calls their timeout. And we're all thinking at this point, like, like, oh my god, like this is this is a disaster. What <laughs> what's going to happen now? Um, you know, is Creighton, and you know, we got to give Creighton some props too. Like, they're not only are they, you know, I remember when I was talking to uh, John Neatawa from the o- Omaha World Herald, and he was telling me, you know, Creighton's like a very uh, they shoot a lot. That's basically their game. They're they're a team that relies a lot on their outside shooting, and is sort of more of a finesse team than they are a physical team. 
but they do have some size and they do got some guys who can bang and who can get rebounds and dunk and you know all the stuff you need inside and you know they were they were beating UConn in a lot of different ways they just looked like a really impressive team um and so that's kind of what made what UConn's answer uh, pretty impressive because now all of a sudden you're getting you know you're forcing misses you know you're forcing bad shots you're forcing Creighton to take bad shots you know you're getting you're starting to get some turnovers yourself. Uh, Tyrese Martin has a bunch of offensive rebounds in this sequence. He has a steal. You know, it's a, uh, they just kind of slowly, but surely started to turn it around. You know, Josh Carlton got involved. He, he had a pretty good game. You know, I, we can't expect like big offensive output from Carlton and, you know, he had a missed bunny or two here or there, but you know, he, he got, he got five rebounds. He, he had a, you know, he, he played well, you know, by, you know, yeah. three blocks too. So, it was a, you know, they did a good job kind of getting their fighting their way back. And, you know, next thing you know, you know, you go into halftime and I mean, that foul on that last play was kind of ticky tack. So it, Creighton ends up going in with a four point lead. They're up 33 to 29. But, you know, it was it wasn't really it was it was a pretty good end to the half. Um, I certainly felt a lot better going into halftime than I did, like, you know, at the at the under eight. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, yes. How are you thinking at that point? Uh, I I was really, I was really pleased with the way they fought back. Um, when when they got twelve down twelve, I thought that it was going to get ugly. Um, I didn't really see in those first few minutes a way that UConn was going to come back and make a game out of it. And granted, it was early, but then obviously Book Knight takes over and they just, you know, they put their heads down and fought back. And at that point, I was like, okay, game on. I really felt at halftime that they really. They were really going to have a go at winning that game. And, you know, sure enough, you know, second half happens and there you are. Yeah. And I think maybe one of the most encouraging things about the second half was that it was a absolute slugfest uh, back and forth throughout. You know, whereas the first half UConn was playing from behind, they had to make a run to come back. There really wasn't much of that in the second half for much, much, most of the way. Like they were sticking within one or two baskets the whole way for quite a while. And, you know, obviously, Book Knight was doing a lot of the, the work, but it wasn't like he was doing all the work either. You know, you have, you know, Sonogo's getting involved here with a couple of, uh, you know, some plays. Uh, Tyrese Martin's getting getting some work in. RJ Cole, uh, before those two misses he had at the end, he did make all, all the ones he was taking. And, you know, he had some good, good ones along the way. Um, and then, yeah, and then in like the last five minutes, you're what is it 57 57 with about five minutes left and UConn takes control RJ makes two free throws and a three-pointer and like I don't know like two possessions of each other that gives them a four-point lead you know that kind of continues from there UConn had the game basically in the bag you know they're up by four with 20 what was it yeah it was uh, after you know Jalen Gaffney makes two free throws they go up 66 to 62 with 21 seconds left and you know, that, that should be it, you know, and obviously, yeah. you know, I don't, I really don't want to harp too much on what happened next. And it just was really tough just to see how it played out down the stretch. And then obviously over time was just kind of a mess. You know, they, nobody scores until Creighton takes an insurmountable lead. And then, you know, book night just kind of goes crazy, but it's already too late. Um, so RJ Cole, I mean, I, I feel horrible for the guy. And I, I just want to say like, if you're one of those people who like feels like it's your God given right to talk smack to college athletes on Twitter, stop. 
it, it's it's one of the, the most bizarre phenomena. I don't I don't get it. Like why people feel the need to bag on these kids. Like you know what what are people what are what are you guys doing? Um, you know, shout out to RJ though. He he handled it well. He he posted like a, a nice uh, tweet, basically taking accountability. You know, it, it, I'm not worried about RJ Cole. He's an awesome player, and UConn is lucky to have him. Uh, offensively, this was certainly not his best game, and I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you. But he, he, there's a lot to like about his game, and this team badly needs a secondary scorer who can kind of spell Book Knight. And I think RJ Cole is gonna have to be that guy. Um, you know, we, we, we forget though, you know, he, he played at Howard and he's scored a million points, but it's not like Howard in their league is like, you know, a bunch of world beaters necessarily. And then he also didn't play last year. So it's been, it's, it's an adjustment, you know, he's going to need a little bit of time to really get into his swing of things. Do you, you know, I don't know. I mean, what do you think about RJ? I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not going to try to tell everybody he played well, like offensively, cause he clearly didn't, but like. You know, what do, what do you think of just uh, him and kind of what we can hopefully expect from him, you know, in the, the next game and from here on out? Yeah, first things first, he's a kid. Like, you know, and not only that, but those are the first two free throws he's missed this season. You know, he's he's 10 of 12 from the line this year. And you know what? Sometimes they fall and sometimes they don't. You know, that's just, that's how it goes. You know, he's a very good free throw shooter and just... Law of averages, you're going to miss sometimes. And he just happened to miss both. It's not something that he's going to do very often. And, you know, it's just, I mean, what are these people doing harping on this kid? You know, yes, he he missed a lot of shots yesterday. It's going to happen. Like, you're going to have games like that. The point is, he still kept them in that game with a chance to win because of the way he played defensively. If you're not going to have the best game offensively, you can make up for it on the defensive end of the floor. And he did that against Zagorowski. He was outstanding. And even after, like I said, after those missed shots, he still gave them a chance to hold on for the win. So, you know, no one, again, no one should be harping on a kid, a 21-year-old kid who, you know, again, like you said, didn't play last year. Before that was on a very different team than UConn. He's one of the leaders on this team. He's taking personal responsibility, but also he can do what he does better than most people out there watching. And the, I say most because some of the people who are out there watching were Jalen Adams and the other guys who used to play on this team. They're also really good at playing basketball. No, These people on the internet getting mad at RJ Cole, they step on that floor and they get stepped on. And they get used to wipe up the sweat on the floor. That's it. So these it drives me nuts when I see stuff like that. And RJ is going to be a key player for this team this season and next season. He's going to be a leader on and off the court. And we've seen that he can be a really key contributor. And this is the second time he's been the second leading scorer on the team. You know, we'll we'll talk about that real quick. Like you said, we need a consistent second scorer. And he has the ability to do that. And the shots are going to fall for him. They just didn't yesterday. So I've got faith. And again, we're talking about a team that overall had a 17-day layoff. So we have to keep that in perspective. And was coming into a very tough game against a very tough team. I've got full confidence that he's going to bounce back. And I think we're going to be forgetting about those missed free throws you know, sooner than not. 
Yeah, one of the the nice things about being back in the Big East is that you have basically, you know, okay, they're 0-1 in the conference. Well, the good news is they got 19 more chances to pick up good quality wins. So, you know, here's the thing I think people need to remember. If I had just told you, you know, with absolutely no context, all right, well, here's the deal. UConn's going to lose. It's going to be 76 to 74 in overtime. If you had no idea any of the other circumstances of the game, your, your reaction would probably be, whoa, that sounds um, pretty good. I mean, it'd be great to win, but damn, that sounds like an exciting game, which it was. It was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. And I, yet, like... Uh, sorry, I'd like to pull up a... I'd like to go really quickly back to a tweet based on what you just said. Um, the night before, I saw that UConn had opened as a two-point underdog against Creighton. And I literally wrote this the night before the game. I was like, if we lose by two to Creighton coming off a COVID-enforced break, I'll start celebrating our incoming national title. Like, obviously, I don't think we're going to win the title, but I thought that that would be an outstanding result based on the circumstances of this season. And obviously, the game played out a little differently, and it was a heartbreaker, but they still were in it against a top 10 team after not playing for 17 days. That was really good to see. Yeah, it makes me think, like, if they had lost in regulation by eight, I think most people would probably have been like, all right, I mean, not bad. I think that's we can kind of live with that result. And just because like they had it in like in the bag basically, and it slipped away. Now everyone is just like, Oh no, like, Oh, we're mad. We're going to, you know, Oh God. It's okay. You know, I, we're, we don't need to harp on this anymore. The good news is, you know, UConn is going to, UConn's clearly really good. I think that's like the takeaway. And, you know, you take a result like this and just be like, man, just imagine if they played a little bit like less bad. And this is the result you get when you frankly don't play very well. When there's a lot of reasons why maybe, you know, you're, you're, you know, 17 days off between games. Yeah. I think they're going to be fine. So, um, let's talk, let's kind of go player, player by player, uh, book night and Cole we've covered, uh, Tyrese Martin. I got to say, I was caught by surprise when I saw his line. So he plays 35 minutes and he only scores two points. He goes one for six from the field. So, that doesn't seem very good. And then you also see that he led the team in rebounds with 10. And like, he's been re- like basically snagging rebounds ever since he became eligible in the second game. So I can't tell you that, that he played poorly. Like that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Uh, did you, did, what, what do you think of, of Tyrese during the game? Did, did you have any thoughts like in the moment? And then, I don't know, see the box score later. And we're like, Oh, like what, what were you thinking of him? Yeah, every, every few minutes, it just popped in my head how much I love Tyrese Martin, to be perfectly honest. I mean, he's not he's not going to be the guy who goes out and scores double digits every game. Um, he's done that once this year, and it was awesome. But he's doing that cleanup work under the hoop. Like you said, 10 rebounds. And I mentioned him earlier as having playing really good defense down low, and you know sometimes the shot just fell. But he's going to be a guy who's incredibly reliable um under the rim and i think that he brings some some size and length that's going to be really beneficial to this team down low and it's it's been really good to see his impact so far even if it's not on the if it's not on the offensive end he, he's still he's still producing because not every guy's going to be a scorer yeah uh he's kind of got that Niels Gafai Lesson Chroma kind of do it all like workman kind of thing i mean obviously it'd be great if he eventually gets a three pointer like if i had but yeah. You know, he, guys like that are super valuable. Uh, so he's he's been tremendous. I'm, I'm UConn's really lucky that he's he's eligible because 
I, you actually have to wonder where they'd be without him. Like, I I don't really know if we, I don't think they beat USC without him. I, I I don't think this game is nearly as close if without him. So, yeah, I think that's a great shout. And we even saw the difference just from Central to Hartford when uh, you know he was out for the Central game, and then he comes in for uh, for his debut against Uhar, and all of a sudden there it was like, all right, we're gonna be all right. Like this kid, this kid's gonna bring it. So that was. Uh, that was really nice to see. Yeah. Uh, so kind of a similar performance in a lot of ways. Uh, Jalen Gaffney. Uh, so Gaffney uh, did not start, but he he got basically starter minutes. He played 28 minutes. He has four points. Uh, he is a uh, one for eight from the field. Oh, for five from three. Uh, he does go two for two from the line, but he also grabs seven rebounds and he has three assists and two steals. Um, so Gaffney has been interesting, I think, this year, where like you can definitely see that he's capable of being awesome, but he's like not quite there yet. Uh, and you know, obviously, yes, and on Sunday it was you know just you know going over five from the three is just not what you want. I think Gaffney is much better at like getting to the basket. I I feel like that's more his game, and hopefully he should kind of be looking for that more in the future. But the, just I, I I love watching him, and I just like keep watching him thinking like, man, when it clicks for this guy, it's going to be a pr- something to see. Uh, but that being said, Sunday wasn't necessarily his best performance either. Do you, you did you have any th- particular thoughts on Jalen just based on Sunday? Yeah, not really. I think you said it all there. I'd love to see a few of those shots go down. Um, you know, obviously one of eight is very unspectacular and, you know, just one of those shots changes the game completely. Probably um, the seven rebounds overall is outstanding. And, I've always I've always seen Gaffney more as a more as a distributor in this team, especially when you've got Book Knight and you know when Whaley and Polly are both on the floor, and you know if Cole can get his shooting hand back, um, he can he can rack up a lot of assists on this team. But like you said, also his ability to go to the rim is uh, is something you want to see more of. So yeah, Jalen's been very uh, very interesting to watch this year to say the least, and hopefully he can pick it up. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, kind of one more uh, player to kind of highlight was Whaley. So Whaley, he gets in foul trouble right away, and he's basically playing in foul trouble the whole game. And yet he still plays 19 minutes, is three for three from the field, and has three rebounds, two steals, and a block. I mean, when he was on the floor, like, it was just a different game. Like, I think we've reached a point where, like, you know, we, we need to stop being surprised by Whaley and just have to just accept the fact that he is like legitimately one of the best forwards in the conference. You know, it just was a, a shame just that he didn't get to play as much as he, the team needed him to just this one time, because when he, it was a different game when he was out there, like totally a different game. Yeah. I think it's weird to say this on a team that has James Booknight, but I feel like there's a case for Isaiah Whaley is the most important player on this team because we see what happens when he gets into foul trouble. And yeah, Book Knight kind of took over when he wasn't on the floor. And we were talking about those shots that like he had to take, but it would be nice if he didn't have to. He had to take them because Whaley wasn't on the floor most of the time. And when he's on the floor, and you know we've seen in the first few games this year, how often has it been that Isaiah Whaley has been the one who changes the momentum late in the game when UConn really needs to get on a run and there's there's the wrench to, to go and make things right and put the game out of reach. And he just, the fouls, the fouls all the time. It's not always, you know, I think that there's been a lot of soft 
foul calls lately or this season. That's just that's just me. I feel like his fifth foul, especially yesterday, was pretty soft. I mean, you can I get it, but it was that's a rough fifth foul call. And you know, if he can just stay out of foul trouble, I shudder at what he's capable of. Because if he can stay on the floor for thirty minutes a game, you know, 20, 27 to thirty minutes a game, man, this is. He's, it's another one where I feel like if he wasn't on the bench for so long, you know, are we talking about an overtime loss or are we talking about a huge win in regulation? I, pretty clearly the latter. Uh, I mean, yeah. he, he was uh, like the one guy on the court who just frankly Creighton wasn't equipped to, you know, to, to go up against. I mean, obviously Booknight, like he, he scored 40 points. So clearly Creighton couldn't cover him either. But like, you know, at least like Creighton had like the wherewithal to try. You know, they just simply couldn't try. You know, Whaley was just a like. Frankly, it was a mismatch. Like he's he's too skilled and he's too big and he's too quick. Like it's so it's it's honestly just amazing to consider that just two years ago he literally couldn't get on the floor. You know yeah. what what he's accomplished is uh, I can't recall another instance of a player like him having a trajectory like him at UConn because usually the players who are that good start if if not that good they start pretty good or the players who start that bad just don't make it. So, gonna yeah. It's gonna ever be since we uh, I think we've we've mentioned that before, and I've had a hard time coming up with one since. I like I struggle to think of another player who's had that kind of that kind of change, but it's been unbelievable to watch. No, absolutely. So you know we've mentioned the cook. Um, so I I can't recall the last time there's been an update on his progress, but based on everything we've heard, the timeline sounded like it was supposed to be early January that we might see him out on the court again. So if we presume that that is something that we'll you know rel- we can hope that that'll be a thing that they stick to, then it probably won't be much longer before we see him out there. So. I just want to just put this lineup out on your radar and tell me what you think. Uh, starting lineup of James Booknight, RJ Cole, Tyrese Martin, Isaiah Whaley, a cook, a cook. <laughs> what do you think of that? Oh, I love that. I love that very much because I feel like that <laughs> that's a that's a lineup that wins you a lot of games. I mean, man, it's. I, I, I got nothing. I just feel like that is just an outstanding lineup. We've seen what the first four guys can do this season. We just need it to be more consistent. And, you know, Josh Carlton started that game yesterday. I think that's something that goes a bit under the radar. And, yeah, like we, we've talked about Josh in the past. He had an unbelievable game against USC. But he's just a guy who's not going to necessarily be a huge contributor this year. And he had another decent game against Creighton, but if you can replace Carlton with healthy a cook in that lineup and then you get Sonogo really going, I mean, wow. Yeah, because like the, the benefit of that is not only do you have Whaley and a cook in the lineup, you also have Carlton and Sonogo coming off the bench. So yeah. now instead of like, you know, if Whaley gets in foul trouble, now all of a sudden you're kind of just like, you know, sort of trying to come up come up with something on the fly. Whereas now, if you've got two guys, two legit bigs on the bench, you know you're gonna have a lot. Uh, you're not gonna be in as big trouble if someone gets in foul trouble. You'll, you know, you can leave. You can have Carlton play big minutes. You could have Sonogo play big minutes. Frankly, I'm a little bit mystified. We're not seeing Sonogo play bigger minutes yet. I think 
his production certainly warrants it. I mean, clearly he's only a freshman. There's probably things that he isn't quite getting yet that, you know, uh, Hurley wants to see before he starts like seeing like 30 minutes a game. But even still, there, there's a lot to like there. Uh, and that front court kind of mix would be fantastic. And then, you know, clearly the backcourt is, you know, what they have in the backcourt is uh, pretty solid. And, uh, you know, Brendan Adams, we haven't talked about much. You know, he, he didn't do a whole lot for him in this game. He's definitely a guy where eventually you want to hopefully have him coming in and playing like an impactful 15 minutes, whereas instead what they've gotten out of him most of the time is more like 27 minutes. And at that point, you're, you're going to be looking at diminishing returns unless he has one of those weird games where he hits like four three-pointers. So even still, uh, very excited for what UConn has ahead of it. I'm hoping that they schedule another game before the DePaul game, uh, which is their next game is currently, as far as we know right now on Monday night, is DePaul on December 30th. The uh, earlier game against DePaul on the 27th, I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was the 27th, right? Uh, I can't remember, to be honest. I thought it was. I thought they had a game this coming week. Didn't oh, they? it might have been the 23rd. I Whatever. You, well, either way, that game's not happening. That's been postponed because yeah. DePaul was uh, still, I think, only just getting back off of COVID pause like now. So um, anyway, needless to say, it would be great to see if UConn can get another game in soon or rather than later. But otherwise, yeah, DePaul will be the next one up. And um, uh, yeah, so Tim, before we wrap this up, why don't we just do a quick run through of the Ken Palm uh, Big East kind of standings. So uh, kind of interesting to see where things are at. Uh, Villanova, obviously still number one in the conference. They're number four in Ken Palm as we do this now. Creighton is down to 14. They've kind of been hovering in that low tens to high teens range. Um, and now uh, Marquette is still the third team in the conference. They have fallen to 42. They were Ken Palm loved Marquette for a while. Uh, Marquette's had some awesome wins, but they are now four, uh, five and four. Uh, UConn is uh, fourth in the conference at 46. They've actually, despite being on pause, they've kind of steadily been bubbling up. Uh, USC, now that they're up in the 34, I think has helped out a lot. That's a really good win for UConn. Um, anyway, I'll just run through the rest. Xavier is 48. They're 8 0. Uh, Xavier's legit. I can't wait for that game. That's going to be. That Marquette game yesterday was amazing. That buzzer beater that they had was out of this world like one of the best finishes to a game i've seen in a long time yeah I, i'm sorry i probably should have mentioned that yeah it's marquette and xavier played like a, a bar that was a donnie brook man <laughs> <laughs> that was big east basketball and after our game that made me feel even more things and it was just so delightful i couldn't watch that one because after uconn was over i, I was uh you know doing the, the patriots game was on at the same time and i'm like you know right. trying to you know, technically that was like my top priority like for work obviously so um, yeah, I, I caught the, uh, the highlights after that was nuts. Seton Hall is 52. Uh, they're five and four as well. A lot of good wins and a lot of good losses, I guess. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it that, uh, Seton Hall is one I'm fascinated to see. Uh, Providence is 62. Uh, they're five and two on the year. Butler 65. They are only one and two, but you know, they're whatever it's they're they're, they're competitive. Uh, DePaul 81. They still haven't played a game. Incredibly. <laughs> Uh, St. John's is 89 at six and four and Georgetown. So Georgetown is no longer in the top 100, but they were for a while. They're, they're last at uh, 106 and they're three and four on the year, but shout out to Georgetown. They just got a commitment from a five-star prospect. So, you know, things are looking up uh, in DC for them and uh, definitely says a lot when <laughs> the, the worst team in a conference is pulling five-star recruits and it's not necessarily a huge shock. 
Oh, man, that's great. Good good for Patrick Ewing there, and good for the conference, good for everyone involved. Yeah, I, I really like Georgetown's new recruiting class. Um, it's funny, I've been reading up on the recruits who are in the Big East kind of recruiting circle, which is a sentence you never would have heard me say with the American Athletic Conference, because yeah. that's such, <laughs> such a recruiting circle does not exist. No. And um, yeah, no, like, so some of their guys, like Jordan Riley was a guy UConn was like supposedly in on and he, he went, he's going there. He looks like he's pretty good. Um, you know, the Matumbo kid is obviously going to be a, going to be a big help for them and going to be a fan favorite, no doubt. Um, yeah. Shout out to the big East. It's been fun so far. Um, I wish UConn, I wish Creighton was like UConn's fourth big East game instead of their first, but whatever, such is life. Yeah. Um, supposed to be unfortunately, but yeah. So um, before we wrap up, Tim, what do you th- uh, what are your thoughts? You know, uh, you know, it's almost Christmas. You feel uh, you, you feeling festive with uh, UConn back uh, doing their thing in the the new old conference? Yeah, we just got the best gift of all: UConn playing in a dogfight in the Big East Conference. You know, it would have been better if it was a win, but you know that that first game gives you a lot of excitement, a lot of reason to be optimistic about this team, and you know, only uh, only better things to come from here. I sure hope so, and I, I'm pretty sure I know so. This this team, I know a good I know a good UConn team when I see one, and this is this team's got it. They're they're gonna be fun for sure. Anyway, um, well, I think we'll we'll leave it at that. So thank you all for listening. Um, you all have a great holiday season. You guys all have a happy, uh, merry Christmas. Uh, you know, stay safe and healthy as uh, you know we try to navigate the winter. And, um, yeah, uh, we'll be back next week with, uh, I believe it should be a pretty epic episode. Uh, not gonna lie. I'm really excited about what we have coming up. Uh, and yeah, we'll, uh, you guys know the drill. Follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. Uh, my DMs are open, so hit me up there. You can hit me on, uh, email at yesuconpodcast at gmail.com and, uh, leave those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. So, Uh, Yeah, well, let's call it a day and uh, we'll see you all next week.